One of the realities of the last year and a half in this COVID pandemic reality is there's been consequences to it. There's been parts of it that we, well, maybe we didn't expect any of it, but there have been things that we've expected even less to come up. Such things as we've struggled with our mental health differently. We've struggled financially differently. We've struggled in so many different ways over the last year and a half, and sometimes we're not aware of how much they're affecting us. One of the ways, or one of the things, one of the realities of our lives over the past while, but not just the past while, it's been pretty much forever in our history probably, is that we've struggled with the challenge of boredom. A lot of us over the last year and a half, just the reality of not being able to either go into work and see people, maybe it's just the reality of being in your home the whole time, maybe it's because you weren't going to school, you were just looking at a screen all day, we've faced boredom maybe more than we thought we ever would. Or maybe some of us have been bored a lot longer, and maybe this is nothing new. There was a study done about two years ago, studying about 2,000 adults, and when the, out of this study, one of the things that they determined is that the average person experiences 131 days of boredom a year. 131 days of boredom a year. So this is a study, obviously, maybe some people experience 120 days, maybe people experience 150, but on average they're saying about 131 days a year of time you are bored. Most of us know there's 365 days in a year. Most of us, many of us, sleep six to eight hours a night, which comes to 120-ish days leaves us for about 110 or so days of not boredom in a year. That's a lot of boredom and a lot of sleeping. What happens is that when we experience boredom, there can be a multitude of realities to it. For some of us, we think of boredom in the sense of uh, that there has just been nothing to do. And that in nothing to do we feel bored. So we want something more to do. But if we think about our lives, how often do you really have nothing to do? More than ever, we're doing more and more and more all the time. Chances are, there's a a good chance, maybe not the people in this room, but if you are watching this at home, there's a good chance you have a church service on the screen and you have a phone in your hand and you're flipping through Instagram or something. How often are we watching TV shows and doing the same thing or having conversations? We are constantly doing stuff. It's not that there's nothing to do. There's tons to do. What most people have decided or maybe discovered, but boredom isn't so much not having anything to do, but that nothing is fulfilling. Is that all the things that we're doing, we don't find fulfillment in. So we're bored. We have this natural desire and a good desire to find fulfillment in life, to have purpose and meaning and and reason for all that we do. And when we do not have that, we feel like there's a lack and we try to fill it with something. We try to fill it with something that will bring us fulfillment, contentment, whatever we might think will do that in a moment. And the reality is that you were made for that. You were made to find fulfillment. Uh, The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that we are God's masterpieces and that we are created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. God has created good works, stuff to be done, good things to be done, which align with his purposes within this world for us to do. And we were made as God's masterpieces. The word that gets used in Greek is poema, which is often used to say poem or a beautiful work of art. We are God's greatest crafted thing, and we were made for a reason, for a purpose. We have a longing within ourselves to fulfill that purpose, that contentment in finding meaning to what we do. But for many of us, we feel that it's lacking. We feel that there is something not there, and we feel bored. Many, many years ago, uh, Blaise Pascal wrote this work called Pensée, and in it he wrote this statement. He says, we seek rest in a struggle against some obstacles. So just in everyday life, we seek rest. We try to find some refuge from the reality of challenge in our lives. And when we have overcome these, rest proves unbearable because of the boredom it produces. So we go through struggle in life and we look to find a relief from that struggle, but in that time, we can feel bored once that relief is there. We go, well, what's the point now? I've gone through all this struggle, now I feel an emptiness within it. And he says, only an infinite and immutable object, that is God himself, can fill this infinite abyss. When we experience boredom because of our lack of fulfillment, because we feel like there's just nothing there, it's because we're trying to fill it with something other than what can fill it. We're trying to fill it with something other than God. And so boredom presents us with this opportunity for either good or not so good. Some of us can probably remember when we were younger, and maybe some of us it's a little while ago, some of us a little longer ago, when we were younger, when we found ourselves bored, either we found a way to entertain ourselves, maybe we did something creative, we read a book, or we got into trouble. Or we just complained a lot that we were bored. That too, if you have children, you're familiar with that one. Oftentimes, we allow this space of boredom to either be a positive or a negative, And how we fill it will create that. Because boredom can lead us either to progress, so it can lead you to creativity, to growth, to knowledge, say, hey, I can do something here. Or it can lead you to pitfall. You don't even realize it, but you end up slipping up, or you make a decision, or you try to fill it with something that's really going to cause more harm than good. Boredom can be one of the biggest challenges we face, especially at a time like now, but all the time, because we all will face it. And as we're in this series about how to ruin your life, one of the ways we ruin our lives is through boredom. If you were with us last week, either online or in person, we've been exploring uh, the story of David, King David in the Old Testament, particularly in 2 Samuel chapter 11. A story where we see David's downfall. David, who was a king, who was a leader, who was uh, unlike anyone else at that time, who was leading his people, the people of Israel, God's people, to a time of unheard of prosperity and devotion to God, eventually messes up and has a great downfall. And one of the ways that he allowed himself to get that Place was first, well, he isolated himself from challenge. 
So one of the ways we ruin our lives is we isolate ourselves from people who will challenge us and say, hey, is that a good idea? We see this in the story of first, uh, 2 Samuel 11 where David sends one of his most trusted people away while he stays back. And so he allows someone who would have challenged him in his decisions to not be there and decides to just go on his own way. And the second way that we're going to talk about this week about how boredom can, can ruin our lives is we let l- boredom lead us to pitfall. Meaning we don't necessarily do it intentionally, but it kind of can sneak up on us. And it can happen that we end up becoming bored in a way that we never intended or expected. And then we end up trying to fill that boredom, that lack of fulfillment, with something that's not good for us. Some of us, we might try to entertain ourselves so much so that we never feel that lack. Some of us, we try to fill it with relationships that maybe are dysfunctional or unhealthy. Some of us, we fill it with overworking and trying to be productive at work and saying, look how much I've done but it's not really giving us the contentment, that desire for fulfillment that we need. And when we look at the life of David, he allows boredom to take control and lead him to somewhere he should never have gone. So we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel, the same verses as last week in verses, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 to 5. I'll have the words up here as well as I will read them to you. So as in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Reba, but David remained in Jerusalem. So in the spring, at the time when kings go to war. And so if you're here last week, I shared that there were seasonal times within that world where they would go to war. They I don't know how they agreed upon it, but they decided that in the better weather, they would go to war. That's when they would try to conquer, try to gain conquest. It was a world that was dominated by warfare in many ways, and that's how political allegiances were formed, and it was different in some ways than our world. But it's what happened. And so in the springtime was a time when leaders of countries, leaders of people, would go out to say, well, how can we expand? How can we gain more territory? So they would go out to war. They wouldn't do it in the winter. They would stay home, stay warm. They would do it in the spring. They would do it in the summer, leading into fall. And so this was a season where David had a purpose. His purpose as king, as leader, was to go to war for and with his people. He had the purpose of going to do this. This was what he was meant to do. This is what he was supposed to do. But it says... Instead, he stayed back, and he said, Joab, who is his most trusted confidant, his nephew, he sends him, he's the one who would challenge David, and we'll actually see in the text next week and the following weeks, he does challenge David over and over again. But he sends him away, so he isolates himself from someone who would help him make good decisions, and he's not doing what he was meant to be doing. Then it says, One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. 
The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was, now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. So David, in these moments, sends away his most trusted leader, the person who would challenge him, and he finds himself doing what? Well, he's not going to war. He's not leading his people. So he's wandering around his rooftop at night. David is bored. And just like us, when we're bored, we sometimes make decisions that aren't wise. So David is wandering his rooftop, and he's looking around. And he looks, and he sees a woman who is beautiful. He doesn't know anything about this woman yet. He sees a woman who is beautiful, who's bathing on the roof. Why? Because in their ceremonial law, she was unclean at that time, and so she would be going to purify herself nightly. He observes someone who's doing something which is right in the eyes of what his religious law would say, and he decides, well, actually, I'd like to sleep with this woman. That's what I'd like to do. David, in his boredom, is wandering around, sees a woman, and goes, hey, why not? How many of us sometimes in our moments of boredom make decisions and go, hey, why not? Whether it's, hey, why not just eat some more, even though I don't need to eat more? Hey, why not just drink some more? Why not just watch some more TV? Why not just try to find something that will make these moments of boredom go away just for a moment? David is looking to fill the void that he has in those moments because he's not doing what he was meant to do. How many of us find ourselves feeling like we're not doing what we were meant to do? Whether it's just our normal everyday job, where we're feeling like, you know what, this doesn't fulfill me. It's a word that sometimes we hear a lot. Maybe it's in our retirement, and we go, well, I used to be doing something all the time. Now what do I do? Maybe it's just in our school, where we're like, why am I taking these courses that I find no meaning in? And some of you are just starting your university or college careers. And that's going to be a tough one for the next four years we sometimes find ourselves feeling like we're not being fulfilled by the stuff we do or we try to do, and so we look for relief. We are fearing this boredom, and it's leading to a pitfall and not progress. And this is what David went through. The thing with David, and why I think he's such a great example to us, is that he made a bad choice. He doesn't only make one bad choice, he makes multiple bad choices through his life. But he's someone who gets continuously referred to in Scripture as a person who's after God's own heart. There's something about David that is recognized and remembered as good, even though there were a lot of mistakes along the way. I'm going to guess, for most of us, whether we're watching online, we're here in person, or we're listening in some way, they, we've made mistakes in our lives. That we've done things that maybe we're not even too proud of. Maybe we've tried to fulfill ourselves and mask our boredom with decisions that really were not good and wise. And probably 
even though we've done those things, actually, I can guarantee you, God sees you differently. God sees you as that masterpiece that was created for something good, even though you may have made decisions to fill that boredom that have left pain more than good. You are God's masterpiece. Just like David. David, who was after God's own heart, so he had this desire for God and pursued God, still made bad choices. And basically, everybody you read through in Scripture, if you read your Old Testament, you read your New Testament, every single character in Scripture outside of Jesus messes up at least at one point. That's because we all do. We all make decisions or sometimes avoid decisions that can lead to us ruining our lives. But it doesn't mean the story's over. In fact, the story's never over until the end. And because of Jesus, we have that opportunity to step new every day and move past our decisions. One of the things that David ends up doing is recognizing the wrong through listening to someone who advised him. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. And because he recognized how wrong he was, he took steps to change. He took steps to not continue in the patterns he was in. And that same opportunity is for all of us. But the reality is is that we try to fill our lives, if we're not aware of it, with stuff to avoid this boredom, this lack of fulfillment, this emptiness we sometimes feel. And it can either lead to progress or pitfall. David's an interesting character too because there's quite a bit of the Old Testament that he's the one who wrote. In the book of Psalms is a collection of writings that David did. This David who was bored, who was walking on the rooftop, looking at this woman, decided to uh, basically take advantage of her using his power to do so. David, who did these horrible wrongs, was also someone who would write some of the most influential statements about God that we still use today, whether it's in modern worship songs, ancient hymns, or just reading the poetry of the book of Psalms itself. And David, in these writings, had these perspectives on God that were wonderful and we can learn so much from today. In Psalms, Psalm chapter 8, he writes this, he says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Though the pra- through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? David had this perspective, this understanding that God was wonderful, that God was the creator and was worth our attention at all times, that He is the one who created everything, and it is marvelous, as majestic is the word that he uses. And that through our worship, he is continuously there for us, standing for us, with us, always. And that when we consider, when we consider all that he's done, 
we can look back at ourselves and, my goodness, why does he care about me? But he does, over and over again. David had this understanding that this God who created everything, and no matter what we believe on how it happened, and there's a lot of uncertainty, I'm sure, regardless of all that, is that God is the creator and he created everything. And all those marvelous parts of creation, in all of it, you are the one that he calls a masterpiece. Why would God care so much, David would say? But he does. David had this wonder about God. And this wonder is what would help him to stay intimate with God, to be that person after God's own heart. But the thing is, when we are not filled with wonder for God, we wander from him. And that's what David was doing in his boredom. He was moving away from the God who he would pen these things and say, God is majestic, God is marvelous. And he would instead go, well, I'm bored. How do I alleviate this in this moment? So what do we do with this boredom? How do we deal with it? Because if you're anything like me, you've probably felt this too. You've probably had moments in your life, maybe you're having a moment right now, even as you're watching this or you're sitting here, you're going, I feel a little empty. I feel a little unfulfilled. You know, Rob's usually funnier than this. This isn't very fulfilling right now. You know, you've got lots of different things you might be thinking. We have these moments where we feel unfulfilled, and we have these moments maybe where we're like David, and we feel like we're just walking on rooftops and just looking at everything out there and going, do you bring me happiness? Does a new job bring me happiness? Does a new relationship bring me happiness? Does a new TV bring me happiness? Does a new car bring me happiness? And we look and we look and we look, just like David did that led his eyes to a woman who he should not have been looking at and took advantage of and led to his pitfall, his downfall. When we're continuously trying to fill these voids of unfulfillment, we will eventually lead ourselves to places just like David where we're looking and looking and trying everything to fulfill it. We'll never be satisfied. Because your heart was made for someone else. For the one who calls you a masterpiece. So how do we, how do we fight our boredom? I'll give you three suggestions. And three suggestions that uh, come from David himself. And if he maybe would have put these into practice, maybe if he didn't push people away, maybe if he uh, didn't find himself wandering from God instead spent time wondering how wonderful he is. Maybe if he was practicing these things, we wouldn't have this chapter in the Bible and you wouldn't be here this morning to listen to me talk about it. But we do have it because it's a very real reality for all of us. So how do we fight it? Well, we start by practicing gratitude. How many of us express gratitude for what we have even when we feel like it's not enough? Do we express gratitude for the job we have that maybe isn't as fulfilling as we would like, but it is an opportunity for us anyway? Do we express gratitude for the family we have, even if we don't feel loved by them the way we want to be loved? Do we express gratitude for the opportunities that present themselves to us, even when they might not be what we desperately think is what we need or want in that moment? Practicing gratitude is a step to fight boredom. David wrote this 
In Psalm 7, verse 17, he says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. Over and over again through the Psalms, and we see this in songs that we sing in church now, and if we read the Psalms, David is expressing, and the other authors of Psalms are expressing gratitude, not because they got something, but just because God is. They're not saying, thank you for this new TV, thank you for this new car, thank you for this new relationship, thank you for this new opportunity. It's thank you, God, because you are God. Gratitude, to find fulfillment in gratitude, is not to say thank you for the things we have, but for the one who gives. When we express gratitude, we are expressing our gratefulness to God for who he is, the one who calls us a masterpiece. If we want to get bored, be ungrateful. Ignore God in that sense. Ignore what you have. Just ignore it. Have a void. Another one is to practice, it goes with it, is to practice contentment. To practice contentment to say, well, maybe it's not all I want, but it's what I have. And I goes with it, grateful for it. David wrote in Psalm 23, one of the most common psalms that we know, many of us know it in different translations. Uh, the NIV says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Some of us are familiar with uh, some older translations that says, I shall not want. God is my shepherd, he is my guide, and I don't need anything. How often do we actually think that, let alone say it and live it? I know I don't do it very often. More often I could say, well, you know, God is my shepherd and I'd like to go over to that pasture. That one's nicer. More often than not, I'm not as content as I should be. I can see, like David, wandering the rooftop, everything that's out there, and go, why don't I have it? And it leads me to feel unfulfilled and bored. So I try to fill it. But when we have gratitude for what we have, when we have contentment for all that God gives, understanding that, again, it's not about so much the things, it's about who is our God. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who guides me. When I can put him in his rightful place, it can lead to contentment and not a lack of fulfillment. And finally, another teaching of David is we need to practice time with God. We need to ensure that we are spending time with this God who we praise and give thanks to for his righteousness, just for who he is, this one who we call our shepherd, the one who guides us to the right places in the right times. We need to practice time with him. David, in his life, would practice time with him a whole lot. That was part of why he's called someone after God's own heart. But in that evening, that's not what he was doing. He was wandering a rooftop looking for fulfillment outside of God. We need to practice time with God. David wrote this in the beginning of Psalms. He says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. David knew and understood that when we were intimate with God, when we would take our time and say, this is a priority, this is a relationship's priority, the creator of the universe wants me to be known by him and to know him. When we say that that's important, we will flourish. We will be like a tree next to water, like it'll never go dry. It's constantly living, and its fruit, what it produces in its life, is worthwhile and good, and what you're meant to do. When we practice time with God, it's like we are continuously being refreshed and rejuvenated and brought back to what God has always intended us to be, his masterpiece, created for good works. God's good works, not just you doing whatever you want, saying it's good. God has something for you because you are his best work. You're meant for it. But when we try to fill the voids of our boredom, of our lack of fulfillment, we will never achieve or receive that fulfillment that God offers us. We will feel empty, feel lacking. Augustine the Hippo wrote uh, in, I guess, the end of the 4th century, uh, or one of the early church leaders of the time, Augustine wrote uh, Confessions, so the story of uh, his life, the expression of who he was and what God did in his life and how that all expressed itself. And he wrote, writes this in his book of Confessions. He says, uh, speaking of God, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. As we long to find what it is that God has for us, the truth is what God has for us is himself. And as we feel bored, like we lack fulfillment, it's because we are not connecting with the creator who brings contentment in who he is, not in what we do or what we receive, but in his presence. David, in his lapse of judgment, in his decision to isolate himself from people who would challenge him, was bored and wandered the rooftop looking for something to fix his boredom. The same way so many of us can do a Google search trying to find something to give us a little break or watch a different show on Netflix or maybe go out to eat again or buy something or jump from relationship to relationship. We're trying to fulfill what only God can. And we will be restless until we rest in him. If you want to ruin your life, let boredom lead you like David did. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God who is forever. Uh, the God who, in the time of David, was present in his life. And as we read through Scripture, we read the story of your presence with him, what made him special, and how you were with him, even in the decisions that he made that were poor, that were unwise, or even evil. But you were still present and desiring for him to turn around. 
God, you are that same God that was with David that is with us. That Holy Spirit, through your presence with us, whenever, we, whenever we're aware of it, that, that is constant, you are always with us and desiring for us to make decisions to find fulfillment in you and not just in the stuff of this world. But we still struggle with being unfulfilled, with being bored. And it can lead us to places we shouldn't go. Holy Spirit, I pray that for each of us who are either listening online, uh, whenever that may be, or here in person, uh, for all of us who in this world say we want to follow you, Jesus, that we are attentive to you, Holy Spirit, that when we are not paying attention to you, when we are not appreciating your goodness, God, we can be leading ourselves to somewhere that's a pitfall. I pray that we make choices to not do that, that we practice gratitude, contentment, time with you to move away from those decisions that may not be best for us and find you who is always best for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you allow us so much freedom that even in our mistakes, you have set us free from them, that we don't have to be bound to our past because of your death and resurrection on the cross. You have forgiven us our sin and offered us life in all of its fullness. And in that offer, Lord, you say you don't hold yesterday to today, that you forgive us, that like David who made a poor choice that led to pain and suffering, you forgive us. You always do. Thank you. And I pray that each of us, wherever we are on this journey with you, we open ourselves up to spend time with you and know your goodness, your grace, and your love. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.